Welcome to Expert Views on ADR Ever, a podcast about simplifying alternative dispute resolution in a bid to attract more users to settle their disputes or conflicts with these alternatives, mediation, arbitration, negotiation, conciliation, and early neutral evaluation. My name is Chinwe Bonike, postdoctoral fellow at the University of Brighton, United Kingdom, and the fellow of the American Bar Association section of dispute resolution. I am super excited to welcome Professor David Lassen and Dean and Emeritus Professor James Alfini to the EVA show. David is a senior fellow at the Dispute Resolution Institute. He has been involved with online dispute resolution since 1999 and is a system designer. Professor James also has expertise in dispute resolution. He served as Director of Education and Research at the Florida Dispute Resolution Center and was a member of the Florida Supreme Court Arbitration and Mediation Rules Committee. Both David and James once served as past chairs of the American Bar Association section of dispute resolution. They wear many hats, so I've left the links to their profile below. Thank you so very much, both of you, for I'm honoring the invitation. Let me stop sharing now. Sorry. Okay, yeah. It's our pleasure. Thank you. So um, without wasting much of your time, um, Professor James, let me start with you. What led to the birth of the American Bar Association section of this resolution? Well, the American Bar Association became interested in dispute resolution alternatives about 50 years ago. Uh, when they um, established a special committee on the resolution of minor disputes, uh, which, as its name indicates, uh, was really just focused on um, small claims matters, um, uh, some new community mediation programs. But then in 1976, um, the so-called Pound Conference took place, and um, uh, the Chief Justice at the time, Warren Berger, and a graduate of David's school, uh, Law School. Um, I forgot about that, David. He did go to uh, Mitchell, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Berger, yeah. yeah. Um, he asked in this conference, because it was a conference on the courts, essentially, isn't there a better way? Uh, isn't there a better way of resolving disputes um, rather than going through this long adversarial process and going to trial. And um, a number of things happened at that conference, including uh, Frank Sander from Harvard um, uh, making a speech uh, talking about a courthouse with many doors. Um, and so judges and lawyers reacting particularly to uh, burgeoning caseloads in the courts um, began to um, uh, look more at uh, uh, processes like mediation and arbitration. Um, and um, in, in about, oh, probably around 19, 18, uh, 1990, um, I became a member of the Standing Committee on Dispute Resolution of the ABA. Uh, and that was the predecessor to the section uh, the chair of the standing committee, Robert Raven, was a former president of the American Bar Association, and he was bound and determined to create a section on dispute resolution. 
1994, uh, we just did just that. Um, we the ABA designated uh, the section of dispute resolution. The standing committee essentially became the the section and the leaders of the standing committee, and I was one of them. Uh, were sort of transferred over. The, so I've been involved with the section since day one. Oh, wow. All right, thank you. So what, what what were the major obstacles and challenges faced, you know, when... Um, yeah. You know, thinking back on it, Chinway, I, I think that the major obstacles yeah. uh, came from within the American Bar Association itself. Hmm. Um, there were other sections within the ABA um, that felt that this upstart new section uh, was um, uh, edging out part of their um, uh, jurisdiction, if you will, yeah. uh, particularly the labor and employment section. Um, there were a number of uh, labor and, and uh, arbitrators and uh, mediators who were members of the section. And so labor and employment thought they essentially owned uh, that field. Oh. Um, the way we reacted to it, the way the, the compromise that we struck was that we created an advisory committee. Um, and uh, the, the advisory committee to our section is essentially made up of people from other sections within the ABA, particularly uh, like the chairs of committees, the chair of the ADR committee in the litigation section or oh. the intellectual property section or the labor and employment section. And it's been very helpful over the years. Uh, it's chaired by our vice chair each year. Wow. Thank you so much for throwing light on the, the obstacles and challenges faced. Um, so, Professor David, looking at the law as it were before the advent of the dispute resolution section, what areas were of major concerns and how would you assess the impact made so far? So I think Jim alluded to some of the concerns. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we were worried about the fact that there was a lot of dissatisfaction with the results of litigation. Yeah. People would get judgments and both sides would be unhappy. The process was destructive of human relationships. Um, if you were going to have any kind of contact with your adversary after the trial, it often wasn't going to be very productive. Um, so it really damaged relationships, but it also damaged individuals. It took a real toll on people. Yeah. Um, and as Jim stated, there was the recognition that there's got to be better ways to do this. And um, so I think that, that that realization is what pushed us towards um, exploring the possibility of, a, of other forms of dispute resolution. Mm -hmm. In terms of the impact of the section, I think the section is, I, I've got to put together a long list of the things they've done. I'll just mention some of them. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I think has been a great contribution to the field is the Dispute Resolution Magazine. Um, it's really been a, a place where people can can talk at a at an at a introductory level, at an intermediate level, at a very high sophisticated level about dispute resolution, about mediation, about arbitration, about different processes. So I think the magazine has been a tremendous contribution to the field. And that was that goes back to 1994. I will mention that the section has uh, published books. And the first book was one edited by uh, the person with us here today, with Joe oh. uh, Alfini and Eric Gelton, um, edited a book, uh, ADR 
personalities and practice tips. And we've con continued that tradition of, of, of finding authors and publishing, um, I think, very helpful uh, books. Um, we've run Legal Educators Colloquium since the year 2000. Uh, why is that valuable? Well, it's an opportunity to pull together all the professors in the United States who teach dispute resolution courses, teach mediation arbitration. Uh, they can exchange ideas. I think that colloquium, um, which continues to be uh, well attended, uh, has been a great contribution to the legal education field. We had a court symposium going back to 2002 as the first year where we uh, begin to involve um, court administration and judges. And I think uh, recognizing that the that kind of the field is is very broad. It's not just private practitioners. Um, there's governmental and entities and agencies that are involved. There's certainly court systems of court annexed mediation and arbitration programs. It was really important to bring them into the community, the same community as the private practitioners, where we could exchange ideas um, and uh, courts could have access to maybe some of the best mediators in the private sector that they otherwise would not have any knowledge about. Um, We've had, uh, we're about a 10,000 members now, yeah. slightly below that. We've been as yeah. high as 15,000. So I think that we have a, a good number of people in our community. We started a fellowship program and I, guess what? You know, I, I mentioned that <laughs> we have somebody here who published the first book. Well, we have a fellow here too. And uh, <laughs> most of our program is one of our newest fellows. And we're very glad to have her because uh, like our other fellows, they're tremendously talented. Talented. They have great experience. Um, they really do enrich our, our section. And uh, Chenwei, thanks for applying and becoming one of our fellows. Thank you for having me. And one of the things that fellowship program has done is that it, it positions people to move up into leadership ranks of both the section and maybe even the ABA at large. So I think that that's been a, a, a good accomplishment of the section in terms of reaching out to, to new professionals and getting them integrated uh, into the field. Uh, we've had a couple of virtual tech expos. Uh, I think that's been a real service to the, to the profession because it exposes people to what's out there. And it's hard you know, to keep, you're doing your job, you're doing your cases. It's really hard to keep up what's being introduced and developed in the technology area. Uh, these tech expos are something where in a day or two, people can get introduced to new platforms that are out there, new technologies, new software. You know, we're edging towards artificial intelligence. Yeah. Uh, we don't know where that's going to go yet. There's certain discomfort with this, with that certain level of excitement. Um, but uh, I think the tech expo is a good place to continue to explore that. Yeah. You know, if we have 20 substantive committees in our section, uh, we have 13 administrative committees. Um, we've got an executive committee. We've got an uh, advisory council. Um, so I think we've done a lot. I think we've had yeah. a lot of achievements. Yeah, yeah, I can say that, yeah. So thank you so very much for that. So with the introduction of the um, section, what are your assessments of its use, accessibility to the public? So like, um, how will you assess people's patronage of the section as well? Well, I think that, you know, to have five-figure membership um, is a statement in itself that's, you know, thousands of members is a is a good statement about participation. The section has really tried to reach out uh, beyond members. We do webinars. Um, we do podcasts. Uh, the magazine is has a circulation beyond just our membership. 
So I think the the impact of the section goes beyond just the the dues paying members. And uh, Jim, what do you think? Well, we we might also mention, David, that uh, our section has a greater percentage of non-lawyer members than most other sections. Uh, last time I looked, it was over 10% of our membership are, are not lawyers. Um, they're from other, they're professionals uh, in other fields, pr primarily psychology, uh, the mental health professionals, many of whom are family mediators. Um, and the fact that we, we have a very strong ombuds uh, presence as well, uh, a lot of the ombuds persons are uh, also uh, uh, non-lawyers. Uh, I've noticed that there's some medical doctors, for instance, who are trained in mediation. Um, so um, I think the, the arbitration mediation has been finding its way into other fields. And luckily, I think they are drawn to our section as a place where they can uh, network and uh, and be educated. Yeah, and we've also had a we've also had an impact in the in the schools. We have thousands of student members. There's a there's a real appetite for a different route than litigation to dispute resolution. And mm -hmm. I think we're recognized as a place where they can explore that and learn about that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. So. Um, Professor David, this question is for you. Recently, the section diversified the composition of its members. What brought about this and uh, what advantage has it um, added to the section as well? Well, I think it's I think it's kind of a reflection of our society at large that yeah. um, we have not been as inclusive as we should have been for a long time. And we're reaching the evolution, a recognition that you know, we could have done better and we lost a lot of talent and a lot of different perspectives, a lot of good thought by not being um, as inclusive as, as we might have been. So I think there's a, a recognition that there's great value in being as diverse as possible, both in terms of um, the perspectives that the members can bring into the section, the voices we can hear that maybe we didn't hear in the past, uh, but also the understanding that there's a very different demographic in the United States than there was 100 years ago. Um, and uh, uh, we need to have neutrals that can um, relate and uh, communicate effectively, that can be trusted and are recognized um, uh, as uh, good facilitators for all the groups. So I think it was a, a, an understanding that if we're going to continue to serve our nation at large, we need to change our faces and we need to expand our membership. So I think there's been an effort to do that. Yeah. I, one way, David, if I could add to that, one way we've done that um, is we uh, presented to the House of Delegates of the ABA a few years ago uh, a resolution on diverse neutrals. Uh, it calls upon lawyers and corporations and others who use uh, neutral services um, to look towards diverse uh, panels of, of, of neutrals. Uh, one of the other things that's related to this somewhat is we created WIDER, uh, which is uh, the an acronym for Women in Dispute Resolution. Uh, and they maintain uh, a list, a directory, if you will, uh, of women and diverse neutrals. And so, it provides those people, the users, for mm -hmm. instance, of our services, uh, a way of 
of picking uh, from a more diverse body of, of uh, mediators and arbitrators. Yeah, there's a project ongoing right now to create a, 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 a very comprehensive um, directory of, of groups of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability. Um, so that, that 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 wider effort, which has been very successful, and that group has been yeah. very active in terms of policymaking and uh, all kinds of different activities, education activities, yeah. tremendous engagement in wider. Um, and the hope is that we can have that same kind of engagement even in a wider diversification community. Mm -hmm. Great. All right, thank you so much for that. So um, looking at the MBA, American Bar Association, what are the notable achievements of the intervention of um, dispute resolution and section? Well, yeah, I, I can't give you that long, long list of achievements. Um, you know, the other thing we didn't mention, and Jim did mention one, mm -hmm. is that the section um, uh, can can introduce resolutions to the House of Delegates, which may become ABA policy. Oh. And we have done that a few times. Um, when I was chair, um, we brought through a policy about arbitration and um, business to business arbitration. There's been a lot of controversy around final binding mandatory arbitration in the civil rights area and the consumer area. Um, and this was an effort to say that, well, you know, all areas are not the same. And there are different, there are different situations where arbitration is really working quite well. And so we introduced a resolution to say, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. This uh, there's a long history of arbitration working well in business-to-business -business relationships. So, so let's not forget about that and introduced a, a resolution that that was approved by the House of Delegates recognizing that in this particular circumstance, this is really a good dispute resolution process. And there's a lot of buy-in when it comes to using it. So, so to the degree there's thoughtful and some negative discussion about arbitration, recognize that there are different places that it can be used. And there's this is a place where it's used very effectively. You know, we, we might also mention that uh, I'm, I'm one of the delegates from our section to the House of Delegates. So uh, over the years, I can recall the Uniform Mediation Act was submitted by us to the House of Delegates. It passed um, standards for mediators, uh, ethical standards for mediators and, and arbitrators. Um, and one of the most significant Chinway I can recall was about 15 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, um, uh, we introduced a resolution during the housing crisis, you re may recall that um, there was a crisis for a while where um, uh, lending rates, mortgage rates, um, had been put uh, had had been put at a, a level uh, that attracted many people to uh, the housing market, uh, but then they couldn't sustain that, uh, and they were there were a lot of foreclosures of homes going on. And um, we submitted a resolution that called upon state and local governments uh, to implement foreclosure mediation programs. Okay. And um, it's at, if you look to the ABA website, there's a little, um, uh, it's one of the showcase resolutions because okay. of its impact. Um, many states and, and localities did take us up on our uh, our suggestion and created uh, mediation 
uh, for the for for foreclosures. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm, okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. So this question is for the both of you. So uh, let me start with um, Professor David. So, um, Prof. Um, David, as the past chair of the section, what areas of um the section requires um improvement? If you are to be asked. Um, introspection is always good. Um, so one thing that that we have talked about a lot, and I think this is something that's true for organizations of all ilk across the country and maybe across the world, is that you know COVID changed the way we behave and the way we interact, and um, many people are questioning whether or not they need to be in organizations and they need to get together. Um, you know, I can do that on an ad hoc basis. Now that I'm a, a micro multinational, the web is opened up to me in ways that I can reach the globe uh, myself in ways that I never could if I was not a large organization. So maybe I don't need, maybe I don't need a network. Maybe I don't need a larger group. So one thing that we really have to think creatively about is, is membership uh, acquisition and retention. Okay. And um, uh, talking with our members uh, about why it's important to stay involved. Uh, all the benefits I listed earlier and the achievements, they require a critical mass often that we need people to be in our in our organization. We want them to be in. They bring in new ideas. And uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier about having diverse perspe perspectives. Yeah. If people begin draft, dropping out, we'll be losing those diverse perspectives. So, so one thing that we really need to work on is is retention, and I think that's true for for many many organizations. I'm in all different professions and areas, and and the other thing, just thinking specifically about our section and every section in ABA, is that you know once upon a time uh, there used to be a, a certain uh, distribution of of money from the general revenue dues that everybody paid to be an ABA member to the sections. Well, as ABA membership in general has declined, that that, that appropriation has also declined. And mm -hmm. one thing that we need to think about and get better at is being mm -hmm. a little more self-sufficient in terms of our uh, in terms of our revenue um, uh, acquisition and control. So we have to think a little bit more about uh, sponsorship, about reaching out to allies and partners, which on the one hand is driven by revenue, but on the other hand, it's just a good idea. Uh, if you reach out to, to different kinds of sponsors in different areas, and they may not even be uh, primarily legal organizations, again, you're bringing in those new perspectives and new contributions and new insights. So yeah, it'd be great to get more revenue, but it's also good to bring in allies um, and organizations that are complementary. Okay, thank you. So uh, um, how are you, Professor James? What do you... What, are you, what is your take on, on this? Well, I, as David was talking, I was thinking of David. Um, David's a national expert in online dispute resolution. Um, and he's too modest to, to uh, toot his own horn here. But um, that's an area that's presenting us with a lot of challenges. Um, yeah. And David could speak better than I could to that. But as, as sort of a, a less informed uh, person, um, because of the pandemic, actually, would we have had a podcast five years ago? Um, because of the pandemic, we're, we're looking to doing much more online. Uh, it, 
education online, um, uh, mediations online, arbitrations online, depositions. Um, and so we need to be thinking a lot more about uh, how the profession is changing yeah. and how we need to keep up uh, with those changes. David, I, I'm going to turn back to you because you are our online expert. What do you think? Well, you know, I will I will add that in terms of things we've done and accomplishments is that within this last year, um, our section has has published a um, a guidance on online dispute resolution that um, talks a lot about the things that online dispute resolution providers and practitioners should be doing, both the developers, the people that that are creating software platforms and the people that are using those platforms, what they should be looking for and what they should be doing. Um, and that's available on our website. That was done in, in collaboration with the National Center for Technology and Dispute Resolution and the International Council on Online Dispute Resolution. So it was a collaborative effort. Um, we had a lot of experts come in from around the world on online dispute resolution. It took us three and a half years to put it together. So I think that's a, that's a significant contribution right now in our world of virtual existence to have put out that, put out that guidance. Yeah. Oh, all right. Thank you so very much. We're running out of time. I was meant to ask the what are your recommendations, but I think both of you uh, um, touched on um, recommendations as well in this question. So the final question is: What categories of persons can sustain a practice as a dispute resolution practitioner, or what are the required um, qualifications? I'll, I'll start. Go ahead. Uh, I don't think that there, many organizations, including our section, mm -hmm. have wrestled with um, whether, and I'll stay with mediation for a moment, yeah. whether uh, we should only allow people that have certain qualifications um, to be mediators. Um, you mentioned at the beginning, Chinway, that I was on the Florida uh, Rules Committee, the Florida Supreme Court mm -hmm. Rules Committee early on. And we wrestled with that. Um, should the court-sponsored mediation programs uh, only have lawyers uh, mediating? Of course, there are lawyers and judges that were doing this. And the two, there was someone from the University of Florida. I was at Florida State at the time. Uh, they called us the teachy preachy boys because we said, well, wait a minute now. Um, it should all be about the parties. If the parties want to ask Jimmy Carter, to come down from Atlanta, Georgia, um, and mediate their dispute. He's not a lawyer, but wouldn't that be great? He ha certainly has the qualifications. Yeah. So what are those qualifications? Uh, should we have certification programs? I think for the most part, certification programs haven't worked very well. Um, and I think it's best to leave it um, to the parties themselves and their lawyers um, to select uh, uh, the mediators uh, and good mediators. Let's let's take family mediation, divorce mediation, for instance. There are some very good mental health professionals yeah. in that non-lawyer mental health professionals in that field. So uh, I don't know, David. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think everybody has conflict in their life. So when we think about mediation, <laughs> we can think about capital M or small M. And I think that to the degree that everyone can learn some dispute resolution mediation skills of active listening, um, yeah. uh, that the world will be a better place. So on the one hand, I think 
all of us should think about mediation and maybe yeah. some of the skills and insights we can we can adapt for our own lives. Um, you know, when it comes to being a professional mediator, I think that one thing you need to be able to do is is to do things like join our section of dispute resolution mm -hmm. so that you can get in a network of professionals so you know what the best practices are. Um, I think that's one thing that mediators can do. But you need to be, I think these days, you need to be um, informed about social media and you need to be informed about technology. If you want to practice that you're going to sustain going into the future, I think we need to be um, educated and informed about technology. And I mentioned a little earlier, AI is coming. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of yeah. things about, about uh, you know, uh, programs now that are writing. Yeah. You just give them a prompt and they write a full paper that you yeah. can hand in as a, you know, a seminar paper in yeah. 20 minutes. You yeah. know, so that kind of power is something that we can harness, but we got to be thoughtful about it. And that's a whole nother program about some of the advantages and dangers of AI. Yeah. What's oh, what's I that know. one program, David? Is it chat something? Yes, chat, chat and it's uh, IGT. I, I can't remember. Oh, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's but apparently, apparently they the, some people who experimented with it, they had to take a, a bar exam and it got oh, over 50% oh. right, you know. Oh. And so, and this is without any extra programming or anything like that. So yeah. it is kind of interesting, but scary at the same time. Yeah, and, and you know that's that's the first iteration. Yeah, yeah. so I was like, I mean, if if it's that if it's that good, you know, at the first first attempt, yeah, it's going to get a lot better. That's that's the one thing we know. Okay. So, Thank you so much. I'm, I'm looking at it. Uh, we're almost out of time. Thank you so much, very much um, to the both of you for this masterclass. I truly appreciate it. Um, I've learned so much, the historical overview of um, the MBA section of um, dispute resolution, the achievements, and yeah, the um, AI as well. So uh, this is um, truly um, educative and I truly appreciate and I'm so blessed that both of you um, we um, honored um, the invitation. So thank you so very much. And um, to my um, listeners, thank you so very much for your constant support. Stay tuned for more episodes on the achievements of the MBA thus far. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Good night. Bye. Thank you. And thank yes. you for becoming a fellow. Oh, yeah. thank you for having me. <laughs> and thank you for having Bye. us. Yeah. Cheers. Sorry.